As a sports play-by-play broadcaster, you're responsible for many things. But first and foremost, you're a manager of sorts. You manage your prep time. You manage your days. You manage your call. And you know what else you manage? Relationships. How managing your approach with athletes and subjects will go a long way in determining your broadcasting success. It's coming up on this edition of Sports Booth. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode, Interviewing and Rapport Building. I'm your host, Matt McConnell. Coming up on the show, we'll talk to John Keating, pre- and post-game show host for Fox Sports Detroit and the Detroit Red Wings and Detroit Tigers. We'll get his thoughts. Well, throughout this podcast, we've talked about the importance of relationships, fitting in, if you will, being able to sell your ideas to decision makers, whether they're hiring departments or team business partners. The same can be true with athletes who often play a major role in your show's content, whether it be a full-blown interview, maybe some sound bites, or maybe information they're willing to share that allows you to get a better idea of the current landscape of the team. These can be conversations that are on and off the record, that happen with regularity when you're covering a team. Interviewing athletes requires hard work, it requires dedication, and also research. Let's say it's an athlete that's a member of the team you're regularly covering. In that case, you might already know his or her's background. You may have interviewed them before and have a history with them. In this case, your preparation and research might be less encompassing than if you didn't know them or hadn't interviewed them from before. And since you know the athlete already, you've undoubtedly built up rapport with them from previous encounters. And if all went well, you've developed a level of trust that can be utilized in future conversations. If you're interviewing someone for the very first time, chances are you're starting at step one. First, you need to research the player. You need to get to know some of their background. You need to take a look at their performance and statistics from the season and maybe take a closer look at what they've done over the last few games. Are they active in their community? What type of interviewee are they? Do they like to talk? Are they quiet? Are they guarded in their answers? You can find out a lot of this online by looking at some of their past interviews with other people. If they give short answers, have lots of questions. If they ramble on, be more precise and close-ended with your questions. I can honestly say some of the toughest interviews are with subjects that you don't cover on a regular basis. For example, you're an NBA broadcaster. Yet CBS has hired you out as a freelancer to call the Xavier Richmond basketball game a week from Tuesday. You know very little about each team, yet you've researched them for over a week and you have a good grasp on what each team is about. But before the game, you will be required to interview the star from each team. How do you go about interviewing somebody that you don't know? Well, that's simple. you got to do your homework. And like we said earlier, you perform a thorough review of each player, their histories, their recent performances, and their interests. You get information on them from their coaches, maybe their teammates. It can be a lot of work, but it's the right thing to do. You want the fans of both schools watching the game to have confidence in your knowledge. And trust me, fans can determine if you're for real or if you're a fraud in a very short period of time. 
developing sound rapport with an athlete can lead to conversations that you wouldn't normally have. I'll give you an example from something that happened earlier in my career when I was the radio voice of the Pittsburgh Penguins. The team was in Montreal playing the Canadians, and one of the Pens veteran players that I'd gotten to know well turned out to be a healthy scratch and was out of the lineup for the game. I had been standing in the hallway down from the team's locker room after practice when the player emerged. And let me tell you something, he was frustrated and he was pissed off. The next thing I know is he makes a beeline for me. Can you believe this crap, he said? He doesn't think all my years of experience will help the team tonight. Can you believe this bullshit? He continued to vent for another few moments, then apologized to me and took off to the team hotel. Yeah, that player was frustrated, but I guarantee he would have never confided in me or displayed his displeasure to me had he not felt a level of trust between the two of us. He knew there was no way I was going to recant our conversation over the air that night. He trusted me from previous interactions, and he was right. That night, the only mention of his name came when we read the scratches for the game. Had I divulged our conversation, our rapport would have been destroyed forever, and his trust in me would have evaporated. You know, there's an old saying, it can take six years to build up rapport and six seconds to destroy it. If someone tells you something off the record, honor it. Otherwise, you'll lose the trust. Plus, who's to say that that player won't rat you out to his teammates? If that's the case, you've got a major problem, and trust isn't something you gain back overnight. Our guest today is John Keating. John is currently the pre- and post-game show host for the Detroit Red Wings and Detroit Tigers on Fox Sports Detroit. John has been a mainstay in the Motor City for years and previously worked in Denver. Like many of you listening, John's career began in student radio at Grand Valley State University in Michigan as broadcaster and station manager for WSRX. He's been a recipient of five regional sports Emmys and is the network's longest serving anchor. And yes, he's filled in doing play-by-play for the Tigers in the past. It's a pleasure to welcome John into the sports booth. John, it's great to have you on Sports Booth. Uh, can you remember the first interview that you did way back in the day? Oh, goodness. Um, w- one of my first stories was I, I um, you know, I, I started in, in radio in college, but my, my first TV job was in Grand Rapids. And if you were going to do sports, you had to do some TV assignments because they needed people to do it. And so one of the first TV assignments that I went on was a, a gruesome story. Uh, we got called out to a farm because a farmer, bless his soul, had fallen into a feed mixer and basically got chopped in half. Oh, and no. so, so the camera guy who I was working with was a terrific soul and a, and a good guy, but sort of a grizzled sort. And, and uh, you know, he said, you know, you, you got to interview people and just, and I'm, and I'm aghast because there are pieces of belt and, you know, things you don't want to see that, that are that are around here and and it was it was one of the okay you're you're a professional broadcaster now this is the time when when you've got to step up and it was um you know a, a pretty good reminder that you know we're not playing at this business anymore there's uh, yeah. you know there are real lives and there are real people involved and um you know it it made me appreciate uh sports so much more because uh it is after all the uh, the human playground 
Well, speaking of sports, and, and you've, you've done a, a million interviews uh, during your great career, uh, mainly at Fox Sports Detroit. We talked a little bit prior to you coming on about having uh, worked in Denver as well. Uh, but in terms of preparation, when you're getting ready to interview an athlete, how do you go about prep? Uh, what, what is your first step? When you find out you're going to interview Steve Eisenman, what's the first thing you do? Well, you want to have your, 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 your topics in mind, but not necessarily with a specific question. And my message to all the kids, and it's, it's not just chatting with you here, Matt, but it's, it's been consistent when I talk to younger people coming up. There are, there are way too many interviews done where people know what they want to ask without listening to the answers given. And almost invariably, the best question that you can ask is off the answer that might have surprised you a little bit. And the example that I used is you're, 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 you're talking to a player and he said, well, yeah, I called, you know, I got called up from AAA and, you know, then I had to go to prison because I killed a guy. I was like, well, wait a minute, what? So the, the wait a minute, <laughs> what questions yeah. are, are the best turn that an interview can take because then all of a sudden it doesn't matter what you were going to ask anymore. It's, it's, you know, it's this turn that the interview takes that almost always leads to a better interview because it's, it's unexpected. And that's, um, I guess that's what I stress to, to, to younger broadcasters is go for the unexpected. I mean, listen to what they're saying. And if they say something about, you know, I took my kid to school, you know, how old is your kid? And, and, you know, what do you do with them on a, on a Tuesday night? And that leads you into a, into a different, more human element of, of the conversation. And it's a thousand times better than, you know, what are we going to do? We got a good ball club. We got a good ball team. We got to, you know, put pucks on net, all of those kinds of things that, yes. you know, that we hear over and over again from, uh, from interview subjects. And, and more often than not, what you want the audience to do is stop and listen um, rather than just have it wash over the, the top of them because, I just want to take a hostage when I hear interviews that are the same interview every game. We, you know, we got to dig in, we got to get pucks to the net, you know, uh, you know, we got to be on our toes and not on our heels, all those kinds of, of cliches. I want to find something that's a little bit different. And those are the good interviews that you strive for. It's kind of like having a choice of taking the interstate or maybe going off the beaten path. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Go, going yeah. down, you know, do you want to take I-40 across the country or do you want to maybe get over onto Route 66 and see all the little towns? Yeah, you, you might have a couple of stoplights along the way. <laughs> there might be some cops along the way that you didn't plan on. Um, but, but that's not necessarily, uh, you know, a, a bad thing. Uh, you know, there might, there might be a speed trap. I will say that from a professional standpoint, when you get off the beaten track, there might be a speed trap along the way, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. John, what about interviews with athletes that you know, that you have interviewed, that you're about to interview again, as opposed to maybe some athletes that you're talking to for the first time? What are the differences there in terms of how you approach that and also how you prepare for it? Well, the, the people that you get to know, obviously you have, you have more, um, more wiggle room with them. Uh, they, there is a mutual trust. They know that you're not um, you're not, you're not digging for something that they don't want to talk about necessarily. Um, but, but that, 
you can ask a more direct question than perhaps you might against someone uh, 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 that you might when you're being uh, uh, in, in conversation with, with someone you, you don't know as well. So, so those interviews are, um, you know, it, it, you have to, I guess the, um, the concern is that it doesn't become too much inside humor or too folksy, but you're also um, serving the, the audience well in the questions that they want to have answered uh, on television or on, on radio. Um, the, the ones that you don't know as well, there's, there's still some, some feeling out process. But if you can, you know, to go back to, uh, you know, getting off the interstate with, with a new um, player that you don't know well, I mean, that's the basis for a relationship going forward that, you know, will make that player or that manager or that coach say, oh, wait a minute, I like, I'm, I'm enjoying the conversation with this guy. It's not just the usual stuff that I'm giving to a him or to a her. How important is it, John, do you think, along those lines, to maybe just have conversations before you interview the player? You're hanging yeah. around the locker room. You're, you're just talking. Uh, you know, I, the, the example that I have is early on when Auntie Ronta came to Arizona, you know, we, we had conversations, we talked, we talked about families and things like that. And it seemed to create a, a trust level between the two of us when we actually did the interview. Absolutely. Um, the, but it's, it's probably happened, oh, I don't know, a thousand times where I'm having that conversation and the conversation is getting good and I will stop and say, oh, no, stop this because I want to get this on TV. I don't want to leave this here in, in, the, uh, in the locker room or the dressing room or the clubhouse. I, I want to have this conversation because it's a really good conversation to have about, you know, what he did, you know, the night before or his charitable, charitable uh, you know, foundation or, you know, what he's getting for his wife or, uh, you know, for their anniversary. The, yeah, absolutely. Um, um, it, it's, it's, it's vital to, um, to have that. Um, and just for, for the, the players and the coach to see you around now in the post pandemic world, that's going to be weird. Um, right. It's going to change. Uh, it's going to change. It's it, absolutely because it's, it's the relationships that you build in, um, in, in walking through the clubhouse or walking through the dressing room that lets the players and the manager or the coach know that, all right, this is somebody who's around. This is somebody who, um, who gets it, who is putting in, um, in the time. I make it a point, Matt, when um, anytime I'm um, in that setting, in the clubhouse or in the dressing room, where I will say to everybody who's walking by me, hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Whatever, yeah. whatever their name happens to be. So it's not just me reaching out when I need something um, and tapping them on the shoulder. Can I get you for an interview? Now it's just, it's me just saying, Hey, how you doing without anything other than that, knowing that, all right, in a couple of days, I'm going to need an interview. And you know, there will have been, you know, some, some physical contact where they have, uh, where they have seen me. It's, oh. it's, it's vital. And it's, it's the human element. The touch and feel is everything in our business. Um, and I'm not sure everybody understands that, but, but touch and feel is everything. Knowing, um, you know, when you can put yourself out there a little bit and knowing when you need to pull back a little bit. Well, it's funny you mention that because Bob Heathouse, our mutual friend who is the Coyotes radio broadcaster who has Michigan ties up your way, <laughs> he, he is great at that. He, he will always say hello to the players. And, you know, Bob is just one of the nicest people going 
to on start. The planet. Right? On, on the planet. On the planet, yeah. Ex- exactly. So, so he may not talk, you know, he doesn't do a lot of interviews, but, but he certainly has a, a, a great rapport in the clubhouse. And, you know, I think we all kind of look at that and, and, and kind of play off of it. You know, John, you, you've been, you've covered the Red Wings for a long time. You've covered the Detroit Tigers for a long time. I'm curious to get your thoughts on hockey versus baseball in terms of the athlete. How are they different and how are they similar when it comes to getting to know them and, and interviewing them? Yeah, that's I get asked that question a lot. Um, there are, um, and, and you know, since I go right from the Tigers to the Red Wings when we're playing, um, people will regularly ask me, which do you enjoy doing more? And my standard answer, and it's true, is I'm, by, the, by the time we get to the end of one season, I'm ready for the next one because yeah. the players are tired of seeing me. I'm tired of seeing them for the, you know, asking the, the, the same kinds of questions. So I'm ready for, for something new. And so, um, you know, and then when you get to the end of the hockey season, you're ready for spring training. And um, there are, there are certainly cultural differences between uh, baseball and hockey. And it, it, the, the game of hockey has changed because it's now more a, more of a global game, but those those guys are just raised differently. I mean, in in part because of their upbringing, where they are, you know, you're on, you know, you're in mom's minivan jammed in there with six other kids when you're a kid, and then you're on buses going everywhere, and it, there is um, there is a much more down to earth feel for hockey players. I think uh, baseball players have have known that they were truly special from the time that they are. 12, 13 years old, um, and it's and, and they're, they they play so many more games. Um, it's there there are there are differences, but you celebrate um, each of the each of the differences, and you know what you're and you know what you're dealing with. And there are uh, you know lots of baseball players who have been some of my favorite people ever, um, and there's certainly lots of hockey players who have been my uh, favorite people ever. And there of course there is a sprinkle of of some in each where you know they're 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 just going to be difficult and you you have to be professional and you have to go about the process of of trying to get uh, an interview done because it's it's what your audience needs and basically what your what your bosses are expecting of you. All right, so you were talking about some names, John. I, I'm going to throw a few names out that you have covered oh, regularly over the years. Here we go. No, these are. I mean, this this is something that I'll probably never see in my career or lifetime. Scotty Bowman, Steve Eiserman, Brendan Shanahan, Kirk Gibson, Justin Verlander, David Price. I, not to mention the stable of broadcasters that you've had in both locations, whether it be the Detroit Red Wings or the Detroit Tigers. The legendary Ernie Harwell comes to mind. Sure. When at the beginning of your career, and I, not, not anymore, obviously, but at the beginning of the career, approaching these people, did it make you nervous? Oh, absolutely. And uh, there's a story I recently told. Uh, we just passed the, uh, the, the 10-year anniversary of Ernie Harwell's passing. And um, for a kid who grew up in Michigan, and I'm not sure all of your audience will uh, you know, have a firm appreciation for Ernie Harwell, but he was a, a legendary baseball broadcaster. Yes, you knew was. that all was right with the world if you were listening to Ernie Harwell call a baseball game. And it, it, it uh, you know, I will admit to my age here, but, you know, going to bed with a, you know, the radio on and listening to Ernie Harwell call a game when the Tigers are on the West coast was, I mean, as, as good as it gets. And it so gold, right? when, 
it was absolute gold. And, and, and in fact, I was just having a, a conversation uh, with my boss about this. Um, we lose sight of the fact that Ernie's longtime partner, Paul Carey, was a sensational broadcaster in his own right. But, but because of where Ernie stood, Paul probably wasn't as appreciated as he should have been. But I digress. And so when I, um, when I left from Denver to come back to Detroit, where I grew up, um, Ernie Harwell was the play-by-play announcer for Pass Sports, who was hiring me at the time. And Pass Sports ultimately became Fox Sports Detroit. Um, and I remember thinking, I, I can't work with Ernie Harwell. I mean, Ernie <laughs> Harwell is, is, I mean, he's, he's on Mount Olympus, and I'm just this slug who's coming in, you know, to try to be somewhat entertaining on the pregame show. And I mean, I remember just being absolutely overwhelmed at the prospects of working with Ernie Harwell. It turns out he's, you know, as down-to-earth a, a person as you'd ever want to meet. Um, we had great conversations and great lunches on the road, and, and uh, uh, getting to know him was one of my, uh, one of my great delights. And, um, uh, and actually, as he was in, in truly failing health, I wrote a column for our website just talking about, you know, coming around third and heading for home, and here's Ernie Harwell. He actually called the offices of Fox Sports Detroit took to, to, to try to find me to tell me how much it meant to him that, uh, that I had wow. written that, that piece. Um, wow. And I didn't get a chance to, uh, to talk to him then, but when the, the Tigers had him back for, for a night in which they honored him, it would have been his last night at Comerica Park. Um, you know, I, I, I got a chance to, uh, to give him a hug right before he left the ballpark. And it was, uh, you know, one of those, one of those moments, but, I mean, Ernie was a, you know, an all-time figure. Scotty Bowman, the winningest, uh, you know, the winningest coach in National Hockey League history, was not exactly warm and fuzzy and, and never particularly cared for my style on the air. Um, and, but that was how he sort of controlled the room um, to let you know. And the players were always on edge, too. Um, you know, Chris Osgood, with whom I work on, on the – Red Wings Live these days will tell stories you just never knew. You just never knew. Yeah. And, and even, even Chris Chelios was as, um, as grizzled a, a hockey player as you'd ever want to meet. And he would live in fear of getting a look from Iserman or Scotty Bowman if he was doing an interview. And Brendan Shanahan told me that you know, his ice time was cut down because Scotty saw me interviewing Brendan Shanahan about something he didn't feel was, oh, you know, worthy of hockey talk, you know, at the, at the time. Scotty was all about the team and, and he would, he would, he would do things and he would light up the media and then wink at people as he was going out the door, <laughs> just, just so, so people, so people recognized he was doing this just because he could, he could do this, but it was all part of the, of the process of maintaining control of the dressing room, which, which he believed was, uh, you know, was the ultimate, uh, um, you know, aspect of, of finding your way to Stanley Cup championships. Has the interview process in your mind changed over the years? Has it gotten harder with, with media training and things like that? Well, I, I think a, a, a great question is still a great question. Getting access to players has certainly changed. Um, right, right. And, that's, and that's before the pandemic. But, but again, it sort of circles back to um, having relationships with players where you're not dependent on the team PR staff or media relations staff to make players available to you. It's, hey, can I get you for a minute? 
because I want to ask you about this, or you're going to enjoy what I want to ask you about because you have developed that, um, uh, that relationship. Um, it's when, it's when they bring guys out and stand in front of the scrum. Those, those aren't exactly the, 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 the most compelling interview possibilities that you can have. But when you can get somebody cornered and say, Hey, um, uh, you know, I want to ask you this and, and I will do this. Um, and it surprises some of my uh, media colleagues where if I'm doing an interview and Matt, you've seen this in a, in a thousand dressing rooms where once somebody's being interviewed, here comes all the other microphones and iPhones and all of that. And everybody just yep. assumes that it's, that it's fair game. And I will say, I, 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 I will say, step back. This interview is just for me. Um, yeah. And they're, they're all a bit aghast and I'm, um, you know, I'm, I, I wrestle with the fact that I come off as a bit of a jerk. Um, but I'm okay with that because I know that, um, I don't want it to be an average interview. I want it to be something special or something that he's just telling me. And the realities of it are that if, if he tells me this in, in say it's a, it's a hockey interview, um, the, the local TV stations are going to put it on the, they're going to get the answers to my questions, my well-thought questions that I've developed um, having a rapport with this player. They're going to get those questions on the air before I can put them on the air for Tigers Live or Red Wings Live. Yep. Um, and, and, that, and that irks me. So, so I make it a point where I, I don't mind being uh, abrupt in, in, uh, if, I'm, if I'm doing a one-on-one -on -one interview to make sure that it, it, it stays a one-on-one -on -one interview. But again, it goes back to, uh, you know, to the rapport that you have with a player. And some players will, will sort of look at me with a, you know, a bit of a smile, like, well, wow, good on you. Good on you for doing that. And then, of course, the other, I mean, the rest of the media will come in usually and get what, you know, what they need. But it's going to be something different than, uh, than what I get. And I'm, and I'm fine with that because, um, you know, and, and this is important, too. Now, I'm just thinking of it. I'm, I'm making a turn here. The message that I have to younger broadcasters and younger media members is know what you want, get it, and get out. Yeah. Because sometimes you will see somebody interviewing, you know, a poor guy or, or female athlete for 30 minutes for, you know, uh, and it will run as a minute interview in the news or it'll run as just a quote in the newspaper. Know what you want. I mean, I, and, and that speaks to the preparation that, you know, that, that we were talking about earlier. Um, but the, the, the players appreciate that. Um, if you ask the three questions, like, that's it? Yeah, great. And now you've, you've furthered the rapport that you have yes. um, with these guys who are busy and have people tugging on their sleeves on a regular basis. Well, and a lot of times I find, John, that I'll be sitting watching a, a practice and I'll start writing down questions that come to mind that I can have ahead of time, kind of, kind of what you're saying. The other thing I do is I'll, I'll kind of do a, a scan of the room. And we don't have a ton of media covering the team here in Arizona. But if I see a guy with a microphone that hasn't been there in three months and he's going in, you know, in the scrum just to stick his mic in and, and, and never ask a question, I hang back, kind, you know, kind of along the same theory. The other thing too is we're, when, when we're going on at 6.30, 7 o'clock at night, anything that, that, has, that we have asked that's been shared in the scrum is on Twitter in five minutes. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, so so, so I, I'll tell you what, I assess the room, 
a lot of times I'll, I'll talk to the player and, and, and I don't need a sound bite. I just need background for, for the broadcast that, you know, it's a little bit different than say pre sure. and post, but, but that drives me nuts when somebody, I remember in the playoffs in, in 11, 12, the Coyotes were playing Chicago and there was a reporter that would stick a microphone into the massive scrum and never once did that reporter ask a question. And I'm like, this is crazy. This well, is it, yeah. And, and, and that's the, it's, it's the new way of media where, um, and, and, and again, God love them, but there are stringers that are hired for every game and yeah. they're not, they're not there to ask questions because they don't know. I mean, they're, they're working the Tigers clubhouse. If the, if the Tigers are in, in Phoenix or if the Tigers are in Miami or the Tigers are in Pittsburgh, they're, I mean, they're, they're local people, all their, all they're tasked with doing is is getting quotes and so again they won't ask any questions and so you're competing with those kinds of people and again that's what i you know that's what i try to avoid obviously the the starting pitcher or the guy who hit the walk off homer and those kinds of things it, it is what it is but the um you know the the more featureish or or touch and feel interviews that that you can do away from um you know the the, the rest of the media is absolute gold. And that's something that um, I think younger broadcasters need to sort of prepare themselves to do because there is this pack mentality. Um, and it's true for the beat writers as well. That That's one aspect of the business that has really surprised me because, um, you know, Detroit and Michigan, still a, a three newspaper town, but yes. rather than rather than each of them going chasing their own story, they're all following the same people. Um, and uh, yeah, that's amazed me. Are you going to miss a few scoops along the way? Yeah, but you're going to get a few too that, you know, that you really didn't, uh, didn't plan on. You know, John, we, we've talked a little bit about rapport and I have, uh, and I mentioned it earlier in this, in the show, I've always said that rapport, it, it could take six years to build it up. It could take six seconds to destroy it. And for the kids listening here, the whole on the record, <laughs> off the record, I mean, you have got to abide by that, right? Absolutely. Um, uh, again, I mean, we're we have an intriguing relationship with as much as we are around uh, the players and coaches, and um, and and Jim Leland was the was the uh, uh, the best at this. And he'll say, "All right, off the record, no, no, completely off the record. This is way, way off the record." He will say before he before he would uh, you know delve into uh, to an interview or uh, to a to an answer. Um, so he would give you what you needed to know, but, you know, with the preamble that, that, all right, I'm going to tell you what you need to know, but this isn't for, you know, the, the, the tiger consuming public. This is just so you understand what, you know, what we're thinking or why I made that move or why we pulled this guy up from AAA or, you know, whether, you know, you know, this guy had a hangover and couldn't play or something or, or something like that. So there, there is some of that relationship. Uh, I, I'll share one story with you. There was a, a well, he's, he was at the end of his career, he was a relief pitcher, but he was a starting pitcher for the Tigers. And, you know, the, the, sort of the, the challenge of being the host of the pre and post game show is that it is this hungry beast that needs to be fed because you're doing a half hour before the game starts every day, every game. Just, is a just a little bit, just feed. a little bit. And, <laughs> and, and, and for until, until this past baseball season, 
for Detroit because the Tigers won four division titles in a row. We were doing an hour-long pregame show before every game, every game. So you've got you've to feed the beast. And so anyway, so the, the, the Tigers are in Colorado to play the Rockies, and um, I needed something on the team being out west or the difference in playing at, at, you know, uh, against a team that's unfamiliar. So, um, so I stopped this pitcher on his, on his way to the bullpen, and I said, you know, can I ask you a question just about the team? It's not about you. And, and uh, so he gave me the, uh, the answer, but, you know, he was a bit of a smart aleck. And so um, gave me the answer I needed. Um, the next day he was the starting pitcher, and he got lit up. And so I walked into the clubhouse after the game, and he pointed right at me and called me over and said, I will never speak to you again. Come on. Because he believed that me stopping him for that 45-second interview led to him having the night that he had the following night. And wow. you would think that you'd, able, you'd be able to shrug that off. I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you, Matt, he hung on to this like grim death for the next five seasons that he was with the team. And, and not only that, would try to sour other players on me. Don't talk oh. to that guy because you're going to go right in the tank. And, it, oh, you know, and I tried to make amends with him probably five or six times. It's like, dude, all right, I'll say it. If you want me to, you want me to apologize something that you, know, that you feel I did to you, okay, I will, I will do so just so we can get past it. He, he would never get past it. And, it was, um, and there aren't many people that, that I've disliked in the business, but it didn't disappoint me when uh, he ultimately uh, found his way out of baseball. And we've all been there. I, I can, I can, I, I'm a hundred percent sure of that. Hey, final one, John, advice to the kids that are listening, that are looking to get out, break through, get a job out of college, uh, you know, whether it's pre post reporting play by play, what would you say to them? How should they, how did you start? Let me ask you a question. How did you start? Flint, Michigan. I, uh, I, okay. right, out, right out of college, Flint, Michigan, I, I called games for the worst team in the history of the international the hockey generals? The generals? No, they, they were actually the Flint Spirits. We went the 16, okay. 60 and six. We only called road games and we went four and 37 on the road. So I called four, four wins all year, but uh, in all seriousness, final advice to the kids, John. Well, uh, you know, get your reps. Um, my, uh, you know, what I tell everybody is, especially now in the iPhone age, um, record yourself all the time, even if only you see it or only you hear it, just so you can play it back and say to yourself, boy, I like the way I did that. I didn't like that so much. Uh, I like the way that I did that. Man, I probably should have changed that. Uh, again, it's, it's, it's my harangue. Work on your writing. I think if you can write, you can work because there is an absolute dearth of, of good writing in, uh, in auto broadcasting, TV yep. and radio. Um, and uh, the turn of a uh, turn of a phrase means everything. And again, you've you've captured someone's attention. And it, I mean, you know me. I mean, I, what I like to do is I like to have fun, and I like to have fun with my writing. And most of what I say will be it's some you know some you know pop culture reference. Uh, you know, comparing what's happening with the with the team. And I know as I'm writing it, I'm the only one chuckling a little bit. And I know that most people are going to just be shaking their heads, but the the reality is is that if you get people to shake their heads now those people are listening and again it's not just it's not just washing over the uh, the, the top of them but you know take your chance invest in yourself um, a, a lot of the people who want to be on the air 
don't get on the air because they find a job that pays them okay money coming out of college. And so they can't go from making $35,000 a year doing something that they're okay with to taking the job with the Flint spirit and making $17,000 a year because they're, they're not willing to invest in themselves, invest in yourself. Um, you will, you will find the, uh, the professional, uh, satisfaction that, uh, that will make it to the point that, you know, if you, if you love what you do, you've never worked a day in your life. And by the way, John, it wasn't 17,000. It was 12,000. It was 250 a week. And I don't know how I made it, but I got blown out after one year. The team got sold everything. John, this was great. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm happy to do it, Matt. You know what I think makes John such a great interviewer is his easygoing nature. He has a genuine sincerity about him. There's a trust level that's already built in when he begins the process of getting to know players and athletes. Attributes that have helped him throughout his career in gaining trust at every level. Hey, remember, if you have any questions regarding play-by-play, email us here at the show at pxpquestions at gmail.com. Remember to follow us on Twitter at SportsBoothPod1. Leave us feedback and let us know what you think of the show. Until next time, Matt McConnell saying so long, and we'll talk to you again on another edition of Sports Booth.